Welcome to Account-Based Marketing. This podcast is designed as a collection of conversations with sales and marketing leaders sharing thoughts and practical tips for growing your most valuable customers. Hosted by me, Alicia Linden, founder and CEO at Momentum, the B2B growth consultancy. Welcome to this episode of Account-Based Marketing. Uh, Something that I'm always fascinated by is the sales and marketing uh, dynamic, and it's no more exaggerated than in uh, the professional services space, and in particular, the legal sector, given given the partner dynamics. So thrilled today to be joined by Brian McCready, Head of Marketing at Adelshaw Goddard, to explore this, this interesting and exciting topic. Brian, welcome. Thanks, Alicia. Thanks for inviting me. Really great to have you with us, Brian. I'd love for you to kick us off with a, a bit about you, your role and uh, career so far. Cool. So, yeah, I, I guess uh, I, I've been in B2B marketing for about 25 years. I've worked across a bunch of different sectors, telecoms, media, professional services for businesses in Europe, in Asia and, and the USA. So businesses like AT&T and, and Getty Images and across that career, a lot of it, the focus has been on things like lead generation and following sales opportunities, but also launching products, innovations, proposition development. And, and you know, I'm, I'm really proud of some distinctive campaigns we've delivered that have generated quite a lot of industry recognition. But yeah, currently head of marketing at an international law firm called Adelshaw Goddard. I, I would say this, of course, but it's a really fabulous place to work. Uh, and we're working for big brands all over the world. Fantastic. Well, really, really great to, to have you with us. Looking forward to the conversation. It sounds like you've got some you know, hugely diverse experience with the likes of um, Getty and some of the telco uh, providers you mentioned right through to um, where you are today with Adelshaw Goddard. What, what's the biggest um, difference as you reflect back on your 25 year career history um, and just thinking about those different experiences? What, what's what's different when it comes to marketing? I guess I, I know we're going to dig into some of the detail about, you know, the p- partner dynamics working with partners some of the the curious requirements of marketing in the profession but I, I've actually found a lot of similarity my, my job doesn't seem to have varied that much across the different industries the same challenges of things like competition apply helping brands and companies generate sustainable competitive advantage you know generate ongoing demand is is incredibly tough in in every industry so I, I actually find the similarities are more than the differences I know we're probably going to pick apart some of the professional services stuff uh, in, in, a, in a moment but um, yeah that 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 ongoing need to beat rivals and win client preference and grow business the same everywhere I found. Yeah, interesting. Looking forward to exploring your your secrets and and tips around sustaining that competitive advantage in a second. Um, I I know when we first met, Brian, you were in the thick of um, leading an integration of two two law firms coming coming together. How did that go? Yeah, that's it's yeah, mergers. I've I've been I've been through a few acquisitions and mergers and they're incredibly tough and and there's a lot of work I, I found the secret to success there is be as open and transparent with the other size as the other side as, as as possible getting in so that was a true merger two businesses coming together sandwiching the name together retiring old websites replacing them combining all their product lines redoing a new brand it was it was fun it was a lot of work and I think you know we, we just end up you realize you're getting in bed together for the long part there's no you know don't mess around 
go go full full for leather you know fall in love completely um so uh, yeah that 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 was that that was quite an interesting career point for me yeah it felt like a, quite an inflection point i think often people talk about brand and you know my my perception is your brand is what your customers think of you and less about what you want to say but how did you experience the the two cultures coming together and how did that transcend into some of the brand work that you built out i know you pulled off some really interesting programs and campaigns um as as you navigated that merger yeah so a, a lot of it on the surface it throws together you know there's the big moments what are we going to call this new business and and you know a bunch of people you sit in a room in new york and and you thrash it out you know, which suppliers are you going to keep on working with how are you going to build websites so there's there's just a lot of tactical things that preoccupy you little things like changing all your domain names and and you know doing all the ip protection on new brands so there's you know a heck of a lot of tactical work and then the bigger longer term thing is what's our new combined competitive positioning and and that is of course complex when you're bringing two different cultures together and you know it's a good time for marketers to shine businesses are relying on direction and guidance you know we worked a lot with agencies to help us through that it it was just a case of bringing the right people together getting them in a room forming that team bonding you know, making sure there was you know no elephants in the room being honest about what we were all nervous about what we were excited about where do we want to go fresh research with clients about what did they think of this combined business what did they believe it, it's it's an incredible opportunity for a marketer to go through those in the career i'm fortunate to have done several now everyone is different because of the cultural nuances you know if you're bringing european asian middle eastern and american businesses together that you just have to communication is the answer and and we found just getting in a room and thrashing it out and 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 being just open about what what we were nervous about what we liked what we didn't like was the was the only way through it i feel like with any MA type act- activity that's a really great stellar opportunity i think for marketing to flex the, the the full muscle be it from you know the customer research that you touched on right through to you know how how you're perceived in the market how you're positioned against your your competition what what were you most proud of brian just thinking through that whole experience and, and I know it was uh, intense at times what what did you take away going through that experience I'm, I'm grown my, my respect for people that get involved in merger and acquisitions are incredible it's really really grown because the the amount of work sandwiching businesses together and all of the emotional and financial and technological roller coasters you go through doing it but I I, I think that um the, the proudest moment on that is remembering that we're in a competitive market and you do these things, you do these mergers because you want to create more value for your business and you want to stand out from rivals and you want to earn preference of, of customers and, and clients out there. And I think that trying to work out what's our new positioning, our competitive point in the market, our point of difference that we want to ram home. I think finding that point and bringing it to life and seeing it launched in the market is incredibly important. It's tough because, you know, in the legal sector, for example, there's there's hundreds of firms out there. There's there's thousands of firms and USPs are relatively rare, I think, if we're being honest with ourselves. And and so, you know, picking a competitive positioning is is tough. And and I think, you know, as as marketers, if if you're able to help your businesses, your firms, your partners through that moment and 
do something that clients then respond to, resonate, it resonates with them. It, it's, it's a big moment for a marketer, and I think it's a good chance for us to shine. You know, we, I know we're going to talk about ABM and, and other communications and campaigns, but your brand is something that is almost uniquely bequeathed to marketing teams, and, and, and it's, it's a great place where we can shine and, and add value, especially when it works and the market responds well to it. And just on the competitive um, positioning point, I'm really interested in in this. So we, we have a, a CI practice um, where we're constantly researching the market for our clients, looking at competitors. But in in such a saturated market, given the breadth of competitors, and, and as you mentioned, your points of differentiation, a lot of it comes down to your people and your culture. How have you successfully synthesized competitive positioning? So if, if I look at Adelshaw Goddard as a case in point, you know, it's, it's, it's a brand that, that, that I've been working with for a couple of years now. You know, we spend a lot of time, the partners here uh, with some expert help, talking with clients, talking with stakeholders within the business, uh, talking with non-clients about what is the secret source here, what is what is it that, that we are proud of and that we would fight for and you know we would die in a ditch over and and this firm has, has got a pretty clear positioning it's written large across our website there's no surprise about it that you know we're a premium quality 250 year old brand we work for you know, well over 100 FTSE businesses across the FTSE 350, almost 50 of the FTSE 100, and, and been doing so for many, many years. So it's a premium quality firm, but it's it's also a, a contemporary business, and we understand that we're here to solve people's problems and creativity and imagination are at the heart of that. So you know, th- this firm realises it's proud of the fact that we are here to bring, to solve problems that deliver positive impact for our clients that that's it so we, you know we've crystallized that as imagination and impact and it drives everything that we do from our communications uh, to our hiring to, to the, the the way that we look at go-to-market plans and and quite a lot of the innovations that that we develop we've got teams of people dedicated to looking at new ways of working for our clients and so it, it's it's that classic i know it's a cliche but if it's like, it's like that stick of a rock if you open up our business imagination impact runs through the core of it and, and we develop that in conjunction with people that work here but also with clients and other people solve problems too of course but we've decided look we mean this we really want to go for it uh, and, and it's, it's it's just a brilliant opportunity for a marketer to work on those values with a bunch of people that are committed to delivering on them yeah sounds like you've really codified the culture and and or, or those those values those behaviors in the organization that really make you distinctive Brian, you've been in this space since 2008. Uh, what's kept you in, in in the legal sector versus some of the other sectors that you've worked in? What, what's kept you interested? I, I guess it's the obvious answer, I guess, is that the variety is is phenomenal. So it, my, my firm is one of those, what they call a full service firm. We, we've, we, we practice over 50 specialist areas of law that we have subject matter experts in. And that equates to about 50 different service lines, each which has different marketing demands demands and needs. Um, the variety is extraordinary. Um, there's never a dull moment, never a routine day. And, and you know, I, th- I think that variety would, would keep anybody happy. Um, it, it brings pressures because there's lots of priorities that, and, and sometimes we have to downplay some and upplay others. Um, 
but yeah, there's there's so much opportunity here to focus on so many different issues. You know, we could be working on a an antitrust thing one moment, looking at cybercrime and crypto, you know, crypto the next. We've been doing a lot of work for our clients on ESG matters, a lot of work on helping them with major contract management problems. That is. It's quite a lot of fun. I don't mind admitting. Fantastic. Well, it sounds like you're still as um, excited and inspired by the sector as as you were when you joined in 2008. And and Brian, um, it'd be fantastic if you just talk us through a little bit about the the partner dynamic, be that Adelshaw Goddard or previous firms that you've worked at. Now, what's the marketing and partner intersection? How do you guys work together? So it's being a partner in a law firm is is it's an incredible challenge. It's it's literally astonishing. You know what what they do. I'm, I'm, I'm really promise you I'm not being sycophantic when I'm saying that. So for, for those that haven't maybe worked in, in, in a partnership before, you know, so these folks, you know, they have to, first of all, their job is they oversee really, really complicated legal work. You know, they're negotiating huge business deals for clients. They're keeping on top of latest trends and risks in the market. They're overseeing incredibly complex, you know, c- contracts between on diverse supply chains you know they're building new business structures and litigating so so they're doing the work they also have to run and lead and develop and inspire teams you know they have to manage client relationships and and win new work from those clients because they have you know it's a business we have sales targets that they work on pitches they also oversee on billing and then they have responsibility to run the overall firm it's it's, it's literally quite an incredible business model um and, and then, of course, they have to put up with us marketers. And and and, and at the end of the day, they they are businesses. You know, we we are in a competitive environment where people, you know, clients are blessed with a choice of firms, and we obviously want people to come here. And so, that requires business development. It requires marketing activity and discipline. And, and you know, p- partners are are smart people. They 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 rely heavily on other experts they have strong views of course but but they do the, the dynamic i've found at least in the you know the firm i work in is is that while many of them have a really innate sense of business development and marketing they are prepared to be challenged they'll listen to robust marketing thinking they'll listen to new expertise and new ideas yeah i've i've found it to be a quite a collaborative uh, environment i'm not sure every firm is is like that but it's i i feel that we're in it together and we're listened to, and we all stem from a point that we know that we have to deliver value to our clients, and we've got to hit our sales targets, and and, and we've got to do that in, in a congested environment. So um, the dynamic is not dissimilar to other sales environments. I think you might have worked in other than the partners have so many more pressures. Um, quite incredible, really. And just given how you've described the role of a partner, I think to, to, to me, it sounds like, you know, very much a generalist role of, you know, b- both having come up through the legal ranks and, and become more and more of an expert taking on bigger books of business, um, but then having to take on um, operational and growth responsibilities. Um, h- how is that uh, just in terms of knowledge of marketing, you know, lot, lots of partners, you know, I, I know three or four partners um, myself that I work with directly and marketing seems to be this thing over there that happens um, and, and they're focused in in their uh, client base and the work they're doing. What, what would you say your relationship and experience has been? It sounds like you've had a good one in terms of challenging partners and, and bringing new ideas to the table. Yeah, I've I, I found it a hugely rewarding experience. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have stayed in this profession for 10, 12 plus years, I guess, w- w- without it. So 
I find if there's some robust marketing thinking, if there's clear plans, if you can back it up with evidence, you know, which is either live evidence from live work that we're doing or from academia, I'm constantly sharing research reports from Bennett and Field or Mark Ritson with, with people here. Um, I, th I think as long as there's rigor to what we're showing and some logic behind it i think people respond quite well as long as i found that you know you have to approach work in a partnership with a lot of humility and with a lot of respect but you also have to approach it as as, as equals you know you're, you're all subject matter experts in your own field you know I, I, and, and and be prepared to to back yourself i find you know and and there's one other interesting thing in, in partnerships because they own the business it, it's a deeply personal thing and, and I find that if, if you bring a lot of energy and a lot of ideas and, and you show that you're really passionate about their practices and their clients and helping them grow, partners respond well to that. You know, they, they're, they're into people that are bringing their everything to the table and are busting the gut for them. And, and I also find, and I've found this in every B2B business I've ever worked, a good dose of humor because you know, we're working <laughs> long hours and, and they're people. And, you know, and, and, and so, you know, I, I can't talk for every firm, but, you know, my current place, we have a really good giggle. It, it's fun. Yeah, I, I know you personally drive a lot of that yourself, Brian, knowing your personality. Um, I think you touched on a really good point there around partners, you know, because they're, they're owning part of the business, you know, that they're, it, it is a, a big part of who they are. And I think in some ways, do you find that decisions are reached faster because they've got more skin in the game and they're across more of their part of the business? Are you able to get to alignment faster? That's been my experience. I'd be fascinated if it's like that in other places. That's been my experience here. You know, decisions are reached pretty, pretty quickly. You know, if, if, if we're suggesting something that's really bold, you know, really, really out there, then, you know, there might be a bit more circumspection, but honestly, this 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 firm is backing us. Um, you know, as, again, as long as there's some thinking behind it, there's some clear call to action. People know what are we doing, why are we doing it, how are we going to measure it. Um, but you know, you know I, I like working with partners because they're bright people yes. and, and and we do a lot of exercise where we look at look, what are the Joneses up to what are other rivals doing in this space and people know that if you try and do the same things in the same way as everyone else it's not going to achieve that much and and and, and these these folks get it and and, and they are they believe in us they're, they're backing us I, I, honestly it's going to this sounds like a really long advert for the firm but it's it, it's I, I found it to be you know it, it's a good environment as long as you're prepared to back yourself and bring ideas and can back those ideas and, and you've got strong attention to detail and and you know other little things that if there's a pro problem in law firms you've got to own it you know don't don't shy away from it you've got to put your hands up and deal with it and and uh, other things like that so you you make a, a good point around um, what work work working life is is like with partners and I think you've, you've given us quite a lot of color there it'd be great if um, you could just talk about how how you go to market you know thinking about the partners I know they've got their existing black book they've got their own relationships they're out networking um, and they're very much engaged with the market you know where, where does marketing fit in where, where are you adding the most value and, and just thinking about that whole go-to-market journey if you will the dynamic of the industry is, is uh, and it's it's like many other b2b industries i've seen not all but like many others where where relationships and trust are, are the root of business you know the relationships with existing people and, and trust in those relationships with clients and customers is, is incredibly important so mo most firms i would suspect uh, most work in most law firms 
comes from either existing clients that know and trust us and we have a long relationship with from referrals so clients saying you really should use this firm they're great our experience is great for, from alumni because people move around the industry and, and and indeed sometimes from you know companies that we work opposite we might be working opposite somebody on a litigation or in a big negotiation and that other company might see us in action and think i like the way they handled themselves let's try them out on the next the next thing that we get involved in so m- most work comes from people that we know i, I wouldn't put a cent- percentage on it but it's a pretty high number and, and so in, in business development marketing teams in, in professional services, we find that you know, the focus is predominantly on creating value for clients, being there when we for clients when they need us, investing in those relationships, focusing on the client experience and, and commercially cross-selling. Right? You know, so, so those those are our big priorities. And there's a lot of work on ABM, on cross-selling. Um, on sales enablement, on call planning and client planning, and really understand you know, lots of work on client feedback and listening to clients. Um, but but you know other marketing dynamics do apply. Your pricing and innovation and brand and reputation in the market all remain vital to to build future consideration and future pipeline. And so you know a lot of my work is is still on on launching new services and looking at launching new markets they're constant drivers and and you know if, if Ritson or, or Byron Sharp or Bennett and Field or any of those you know the marketing influencers in our world it, you know, they'd be probably proud of us because we do spend a lot of solid amount of our time building upstream interest and consideration and mental availability there's a, a lot of brand building campaigns and forward-looking brand sorry product development so it's probably not dissimilar there's there's, there's a big chunk on the short term and a huge emphasis on current clients but then a, 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 a reasonable sum looking to the future. Yeah, I think it's in the big dynamic shift for me compared to some of the, the other sectors that, that we operate. And if I look at across tech and you know potentially other um, consulting or broader professional services businesses, relationships and trust feel like they're just so much more intrinsic to how you're going to market than other, particularly on the product and solution side. Yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, the level, you know, we, we work for some, many of the, the biggest companies in, in the world and, and, and the and the investments that they're making, the deals that they're doing, the supply chains, they're optimizing, you know, they're, they're big, incredibly complicated and incredibly important things that are going on and, and, and people, companies need to know that their advisors are people that they trust and they're subject matter experts. So yeah, the, that relationship development trust piece is, is incredibly important. We put so much time into it. Honestly, it do- dominates most most of the time in in, in business. But th- there is back back on brand. There's there's, there's an example. I, I don't know if it's crass or not. I'll, I'll share it anyway and hope I don't get in trouble. I've, I've used it before. That you know, say you're a construction disputes specialist lawyer that's your thing you can't relationship develop somebody to have a construction dispute you kind of hope a client will never have one to deal with but you just have to when they sometimes do happen years down the line you have to be top of mind people have to believe that you're the best people to turn to when that situation arises and so you know 
top of mind awareness, mental availability, you know, building that position about why choose us, why, why rely on us for construction disputes is also as critically important. So the brand building piece is, is, is incredibly uh, important in professional services, particularly in law. Yeah. And uh, t- talking about that sort of the, the earning that client attention and um, some of this kind of mind share work that um, you've been leading and shaping, what, what have you found that hasn't worked uh, when it comes to uh, client attention? Uh, have there been things that you've tried and tested um, over the past few years that you're never going back to and you don't don't feel like they're relevant in, in this uh, sector? God, it's a good question, folks. What, what wouldn't I do again? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm brave enough. I'm old enough to admit, you know, I've, I've, I've run campaigns across my career that have utterly stank and, and, and you know, didn't achieve anywhere. You know, I, I remember doing one at Getty Images that was just appallingly bad. But, you know, the five others I did that year were amazing. So I kept my job. Um, <laughs> you, you just, you know, I, I, I never think there's a, you know, I think if, if people use like campaigns that underperform communications tactics, underperform as a rod to beat people up with, I'm, I'm not sure that's a great culture. I think it's just an opportunity to learn. So the, the, the there's there's little things uh, that that we've learned. I, I guess if I was looking for the common things that do work, I mean, I, I will share with you. I heard it wasn't one of our clients. I heard a senior in-house counsel at a big company. I heard this quote recently, where you know they they said something along the lines, of, "You can you can tell when something's changed in the law because I'm guaranteed to get a hundred boring blog posts from law firms the next morning." And, and, you know, and, and, you know, it kind of made me smile and wince at the same time. You know, I, I think the lesson I've learned and, and, and I, I probably this is the thing I wax on about in the industry more than anything is, is if you're doing things that are indistinctive, it's suboptimal. You're not, you're not going to get distinctive results from indistinctive tactics. Uh, and so to the point now, I'm so fervently in belief of that. Well, of course, if you do thousands of things a year, you can't do everything distinctive, but the ones that matter, they have to stand out from the crowd. You have to push boundaries. They have to be creative. I know at least you and I have spoken about this in the past. I'm a bit obsessed with the creativity thing, but I do it for a business reason because in my experience, when I haven't pushed boundaries, it hasn't achieved extraordinary results. And when I have, it's had a far more dramatic effect on attention and on behavior change and on call to action. Um, so yeah, I, I would insist on doing things distinctively. And, and I think we spoke about some of the wild stuff that's led us to in the past, doing things with unicorns and video games and you know origami weightlifters and, and the like in, as, as part of our tactics, haunting people. I, I, I focus on the distinctiveness and make sure, make sure we get a clear answer. Why choose us and make sure there's a really strong call to action. Can, can we talk a little bit about creativity, Brian? You, you've touched on it briefly there. The legal sector and the space that you're operating in is quite structured. Um, the, there's obviously a lot of governance and you talked about new new laws coming out and that leading to 100 blog post uh, type emails getting launched how creative can you be in in this space so i guess every industry has its conventions every industry is different probably every brand is 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 different yeah i'll give you an example i i i wouldn't uh, ever use swearing in any materials I'm using in the legal sector it's not right I wouldn't be doing some of the stuff that brew dog would do every day in their yes. marketing or paddy power you know so that there are there are there are limits you know there are no go areas and every industry's got got different ones I spend a bit of time in defense and the no go areas in the defense sector are different to them working in, in a photography business but within within that reason I've actually not yet found the edges in terms of just how creative you can be in the law yeah partners I've been working with 
here and, and previously have been really up for trying things. You know, they, they do understand the logic of, of, of the need to stand out from the crowd. You, you, you know, can't be seen if, if you're one of the crowd. And, and so, you know, that, that has led us to do some really quite brave and, and really quite out there stuff. And, and, you know, to give you a few examples of what do I mean by that. So we, we've been doing a lot of work for the last six months where we've been invited poets to interview our clients and just write about what they hear to provide a fresh perspective on the law and, and the important role of, that law plays in the economy in trade in, in keeping businesses safe we've, we've done poems about you know why it's a great career profession for young people that that might not have previously considered it perhaps because of their backgrounds um you know and, and so who would have ever thought that that you know we've had 60,000 plus views already or something on 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 some of the poetry that we've been putting out there who knew that was going to be popular um you know that that's a relatively straightforward one you know we, we've done things where I've, I've, I've got campaigns out at the moment you know we've got we've made rhinos out of balance sheets and and you know like I said before we, we did a famous quite famous award-winning event once where we literally haunted clients that came in the room and and it, it all sounds gratuitous there's 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 a, there's a trick to it doing these things shouldn't be done for the sake of it they've got to be there to either reinforce a market positioning reinforce something that we want to be famous for or to help drive home a message that will create value and be helpful to clients you know so we found that i think as long as there's a reason for you know applying creative techniques then people will go for it and and honestly the legal sector is way more you know fun than than other marketers might give it credit for i i've not yet found the boundaries and i'm pushing pretty damn hard i think yeah, no, it sounds like you are. You've touched on a couple there, Brian. I um, would love to hear your your best example of where creativity's added the most value when it comes to growth. You talked about those two aspects of it's got to create end customer value and you've got to be able to reinforce your positioning. Have you got an example that, that springs to mind that, that you can think of? Okay. Um, I've got an example. I, I, I've, I, talked, I mean, so I'll, I'll talk about communications and I'll talk about the other ways because creativity, we often focus on it in, on communications, but of course, creativity is much broader than that. And, and I, I've just seen that the, 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 from the simple things of click through rates, download rates, watch rates, view rates on the, on the things that we put out, client satisfaction on the materials, the communications, the training, the events that we run, that they're almost invariably higher and better um, when when you apply some form of creativity to it. So a, a simple point in question, um, you know, at, at, the, at, at the start of lockdown, you know, this is one we, we had a few award commendations for last year and various B2B brand awards. Yeah, at, at the, winding back to 2020, the first lockdown, the environment just felt very surreal. And yet we had businesses that were making big transactional decisions, big deal decisions, in, in that very challenging environment. Um, and so we wanted to go out and, and provide some serious, hard-hitting opinions on what to do and what not to do or things to keep a very serious look at because, you know, the times were tough. It was very surreal. But also at that time, you know, everybody's inboxes were crazy. People, you know, teams and Zoom calls off the charts, people looking for answers and, 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 and not to be flippant, but to just be you know, resonant to the times we, we focus, look at Israel times, we, we, we do, we recognize it is weird. And so we, uh, you know, we use a lot of Picasso inspired custom imagery to talk about things that people should be doing on their deals. And, and it, it, it didn't feel like 
levity in in a difficult time it just felt that we were just trying to provide a contemporary view on a on a, on a real life problem and, and that surrealism approach yeah we had all manner of really positive comments from from clients from non-clients on social media saying this is this is quite clever and bravo um and and you know one of the things that we did um was we were talking about clients about how to maintain their balance sheet strength and, and things that they should really keep an eye out for, options that they might not have considered that if they were in jeopardy during that lockdown period. Uh, and, and to bring that to life, you know, balance sheet strength, we just created weightlifters out of balance sheets. You know, we did some origami. And again, it was just a, a little thing that just stood out a little bit more from the hundred other boring emails. But, you know, at the heart of it, it was hard hitting, helpful client-centric content that we felt was the right thing to do to help them protect themselves in, in that difficult period. So, so yeah, I, I guess the, the more arresting, more evocative, more creative communications I've always seen, they, they contribute to the success of com campaigns. But I guess when it comes to real growth, just come back to that client-centricity, I, I, I guess that the, the more probably important role for creativity is problem-solving for clients. And, and that's one thing you do see every day in the law with constantly seeking how do we solve people's problems that they are facing the barriers to progress for clients and so whether that's you know every day around here some are using ai to spot issues in, in a portfolio of real estate leases or see people do incredibly helpful interactive tools for clients on how to spot categorize and track risks in their business you know using interactive tools that you know finding ways for help local communities fund a wind farm to tackle their energy needs and 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 to put more you know, funds into the public coffers in those communities. It's, it's one good thing I like about the legal sector. You see this problem solving every day. And I think anything that creates value for clients, that's the, that's the real true test of creativity. Great to talk a little bit about creativity. I know we could probably spend the next half an hour cu covering the subject, but we'd love just to switch gears, Brian, and, and just you're, you're very restless. Uh, you know, I love your approach when it comes to sharing insight with the partners, being quite provocative. You know, and, and you've obviously got great relationships across your stakeholders. You know, how how are you generating demand consistently? You know, you, you're in a, a very competitive market. You've got lots of firms bigger and smaller that are competing with you you've got clients that are constantly shifting and and you've got this partner dynamic you know what what are marketing what levers are you pulling um to to make sure that you've got that consistent stream of demand that's coming through honestly it's it's, it's the first priority is is just have more conversations and more coffees virtually or in, or, or or physically um you, you know just listen more to clients it's, it's, it's the most important thing I know there's probably nothing revelatory about that I guess everybody would feel the same way it's I had an old chief marketing officer that once told me if you only had a pound of marketing budget to spend spend it on having a coffee with a client to find out what's going on in their world because you can't create value for them and solve their problems if you don't listen to them and understand what they're facing so honestly the the, the priority is just making sure that we uh, do whatever we can to enable our partners to have more conversations you know, listen more and so that that is the dominant priority but in terms of generating wider demand and it is it is congested out there there is a heck of a lot of noise you know we, we've 
seen literally thousands firms putting literally thousands of pieces of content out per annum i guess first of all do a lot of research and listen to the topics that clients really care about so so listen to them and help that shape what we want to focus on we put a lot of effort into uh, events and training because it's better for interactivity it's better for q a it's better to you know follow up conversations it's a short sharp way for clients to get insights and so i know that probably the, the world became a bit over webinared during the respective lockdowns, but you know we still find them incredibly important part of our marketing mix. I guess the communication tactic that we have from other businesses, whether it's on an account-based level or whether it's mass market level, is still the same. You know, distinctive campaigns with a you know that, that that are imparting some sort of fresh insights, helpful opinions, new opinions, new direction, uh, but then have a clear call to action, which converts the attention we generate into uh, in, into some kind of opportunity, some kind of ongoing dialogue, because the dialogue's really what, what matters. And so I, I probably said it half a dozen times on this call to action series, my, my, my new catchphrase, but it, it's, it's ever been so in marketing. I think, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fairly simple concept, marketing, isn't it? Like earn the right attention, know what you want to say, convert it into some sort of dialogue. The, the basics apply, I find all brought to life with brilliant marketers and, and just big shout out to my team and, and teams I've worked with previously you can't do anything without great marketers and, yeah. and great alignment with the partners and other salespeople around us you just, without you know we never do this on our own yeah absolutely so top three pieces of advice it sounds like are listen to your customers point one secondly make sure that any of that engagement um, that you're driving in, into accounts is interactive and you're engaging like like you have been through events and training and then um, third point that I took away from this conversation is you know make sure it's distinct and and you, you are sharing fresh fresh in, insights to create that dialogue yeah absolutely yeah, that that would definitely my three I, I i suspect there's if i was just going to add one more that I probably haven't touched upon is prioritization because i think businesses can be guilty of too many things and 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 you know and, and it's it, it is complicated I, I've got a lot of friends in marketing and other businesses that have one product line and, and yes. a bit jealous of them sometimes because, you know, <laughs> it, it, it provides that clarity. We know what we're focusing on and, you know, firms are bigger and com- more complex. You know, I mentioned the number of practices and, and, and t- topics and types of law that, that you know, we, we focus on. And, and, and I think. I think there's just that general thing where it's easier for businesses to hit five objectives than 55. And so prioritization would probably be one extra piece of advice for my fellow marketers, you know, and, and up and coming marketers in other professional services. Got it. Fantastic. Well, really appreciate you uh, sharing so candidly and, and openly. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed the discussion. To, to bring us to a close, Brian, it'd be fantastic if you could finish us on um, your, your single biggest career highlight to, to date. Love to love to hear what what you're most uh, proud of, um, what what you've what you've taken away from the last twenty five years. That's that's thrown me. Um, I, I wasn't I wasn't expecting that. I, I, I honestly, I, I'm not sure. I, I try and every year try and set myself a new target, and I'm always happy when I meet every one of them. I I, I, I mean, it's a, just a general thing. I'm, I'm really delighted whenever we've really pushed boundaries and done something that's made me a little bit sick because I'm thinking, am I going to get fired over this for this work? <laughs> And, and there's, there's been there's been a few of them. I, I I was really lucky one year. You know, we when I was at Getty Images, I got to work on the official uh, media website that, that me and my team built for the International Olympic Committee for the Beijing Olympics. That was mm-hmm. quite a special moment. You know, we 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 won. I was really delighted. My team 
won the Grand Prix at the B2B Marketing Awards and Marketing Week named us Marketing Team of the Year a few years ago for some of the, you know, some of the courageous stuff that we've been doing. I think that the main thing I've taken away is just scare yourself once in a while and don't don't operate in your comfort zone. It just, it feels like you've created a, a career of it and, you know, fantastic to, to have followed it to this point. Looking forward to, to seeing where you go next. Thank you. Great, great to have you with us, Brian. Thanks so much for joining us. This podcast is brought to you by Momentum, the B2B growth consultancy and pioneers of account-based marketing. You can learn more at wearemomentum.com.